Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. Today, we embark on a journey through the book of Psalms in a brand new series entitled More Than Words. For seven weeks, we will not only be reading the Psalms, we'll also be listening to the emotions of the psalmist. Now, can I be real honest with you? I have always had difficulty studying the Psalms. They were not something I enjoyed reading. I didn't always like the Psalms. I know that's kind of strange to hear that a pastor doesn't like one part of the Bible, but I I struggled with it because I didn't really like the Psalms. You know, I feel like I've been here for a little while, been here a whole two months. We've gotten a little close. So can I share a secret with you? Here's my confession. My name is Joey, and I'm a psalmophobic. <laughs> my least favorite part of the Bible was the Psalms. And here's why. I didn't always understand them. I didn't always understand the Psalms. They didn't seem to make logical sense. One moment the psalmist is happy, the next he's down in the depths of despair. One moment he's praising God, the next he is crying out in anger at God. So to me, they seem to be the ramblings of madmen. And yet, the Israelites, the people for whom the psalms were originally written, held them in such high regard. And I didn't understand why until I realized what they were. The Psalms are the ramblings of madmen. Men maddened by life. People like you and I who have experienced life and experienced God in a world full of sin. And these people have placed their thoughts and their emotions onto paper. These are the raw prayers of real people. People who have struggled and succeeded. People who have laughed and lamented. And that's why they don't always make logical sense. Because the Psalms, the Psalms don't communicate logic. They convey emotion. The purpose of the Psalms was not to communicate logic to us. It is to express emotion. So often we have to approach the Psalms in a, in, with a different part of our brain than we do much of the, the rest of the Bible. See, much of the rest of the Bible is left-brained. The prophecies tax even the most adept scholars. The histories follow a common flow of thought. And the letters are filled with logic and reasoning. But the Psalms... The Psalms are different. The Psalms spark the right side of our brain. They don't challenge our logic as much as they inspire our emotions. 
So to fully understand the Psalms, we must listen for the emotions behind the words. How many of you have ever watched a movie before with the, so- the sound completely turned off? Any of you done that before? If you haven't, you can try it sometime. Get a very scary movie, turn off all the sound, and watch it. It actually ends up being more funny than scary. Why? Because movies use music to convey emotions. So to fully experience a movie, you must hear the music. The Psalms are exactly the same. To fully experience the Psalms, we must hear the music. And that's why so many of the Psalms come with instructions of how they were to be performed, with music, with melodies, and and instruments that have long since been forgotten. So while we can't literally hear the music that was intended to accompany the Psalms, we can figuratively hear that music. We can listen for the emotions that inspired those writers to write those melodies and these words. See, to fully experience the Psalms, we must hear the music. We must listen for that music that lies behind the Psalms. So it's not enough to just study the words. We must also listen for the emotions that inspired those words. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't take time to study, to do deep study on the Psalms, because they were written in a different language and in a different culture than our own. So some amount of background study is necessary, but only so that we could fully understand the thoughts and the emotions that the psalmists were trying to convey. We must hear with our heads and our hearts. Because the Psalms convey so much more than just words. They express emotions. And that's why listening to the Psalms is so beneficial to our relationship with God. As award-winning author Jim George, George so aptly put it, he said, if you need a guide for your ongoing relationship with God, read the Psalms. Read the Psalms. Because like any relationship, our relationship with God requires both knowledge and emotion. So you can't be in a relationship with someone if you don't actually know them. But you can't also be in a relationship with someone if you don't feel anything for them. It takes both knowledge and emotions to have a relationship. And that's why when we're asked to describe someone that we care deeply about, We don't just share the facts. We also express our feelings. When someone asks me about my wife, I don't just share the facts. I don't just say that she's the mother of two and a therapist and stunningly beautiful. You know, I don't just share the facts. I also share my feelings. When I'm around her, she makes me feel like I can do anything. She excites me. She has changed the way that I see the world. And yet when it comes to our relationship with God, many times we prioritize the facts over the feelings. We we approach him more with our heads than our hearts. See, as a denomination, we've done a really good job at getting the knowledge. 
but not such a great job at times of expressing our emotions. And yet, when you read the Bible, when you look at the spiritual journeys of the people in the Bible, you see that they're full of emotions. <coughs> Anger, sadness, despair, elation, frustration. They are all there, and they're not afraid to express them, sometimes in very dramatic ways. They tear their clothes in sorrow. They lift their hands in praise. They dance in joy. And so for the next seven weeks, we're going to take the time to hear the music of the Psalms, to experience the raw emotions of real people. We're going to look at seven Psalms, seven songs, seven emotions that are a part of every relationship, but especially our relationship with God. And so as we approach these psalms, as we read these psalms, I want to encourage you to try what may be a new approach. Instead of using logic to try to squeeze as many answers out of these psalms as possible, take the time to listen to the psalms, to really enjoy them, to feel the emotions, hear the music. And the first psalm that we'll be looking at, that we'll be listening to, is Psalm 113. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to take them out, open them up to Psalm 113. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the seat pocket in front of you. In those pew Bibles, Psalm 113 is found in, on page 913. And we'll also have it on the screen so we can read together. Psalm 113, starting with verse 1 says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, this first sentence is translated from a single Hebrew word. And it's a very common Hebrew word, one that even if you've never read the Bible before, you probably have heard of. Actually, it's a word that's repeated over and over again in Handel's Messiah. Does anybody have a guess of what that word might be? I heard it over here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Which literally means praise Yah, which is this shortened version of God's personal name, the name he shares with his followers, Yahweh. So it's saying praise Yahweh. Praise be to Yahweh. Because this whole chapter, this whole psalm is all about praising the Lord. Continues. Verse 2, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to its going down. The Lord's name is to be praised. From the rising of the sun to its going down. So this is speaking not only temporally, you know, from morning until evening, but also spatially, from where the sun rises in the east to where it sets in the west. May the name of the Lord be praised. So this psalm begins with a call for his people to worship. A call for everyone, everywhere, every day to praise the Lord. And then he continues. Verse 4. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory above the heavens. This is really high praise, right? Pun intended. It's lofty stuff. Yeah, 
Which begs the question, why, why do we need to do this? Why do we need to praise God? Have you ever wondered that? If you're a non-Christian and you're here today, you may have wondered that before. Why do Christians take so much time to praise God? Is it, is, is it a sacrifice of words to appease a mighty God? Why do we do it? Actually, praising God has a lot more to do with us than it does with him. See, praising God allows us to experience a key emotion, an emotion that is necessary to have longevity in relationships. So what is that emotion? What is that crucial emotion that we need to experience? Well, it's actually the emotion that's found throughout the psalm. But in order to catch it, you have to actually listen to the psalm and feel the emotion instead of just analyzing the words. So I'm going to read through the psalm one more time. And this time, don't analyze the words. Just listen to the psalm and ask yourself this one question. What is the psalmist feeling? What is the psalmist feeling? All right? Verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth? He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may seed him with the princes, with the princes of his people. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. So what is it? What is the emotion that this psalmist is feeling? I want you to turn to the person next to you. We're going to be very interactive this morning. Turn to the person next to you and share with them, what is this psalmist feeling? Go ahead. So what is it? What emotion is he feeling? What did he hear? Joyful. Grateful. Hope. Adoration. Right? These are all different words for a similar emotion, one that I like to call appreciation. And here's the thing. Appreciation is crucial. Appreciation is is crucial for any relationship. Appreciation is crucial for all of our relationships, including our relationship with God. If we want our relationships to thrive, we need to learn to express our appreciation. Do you know why new love is so awesome? You know, when I was a youth pastor, a youth member came up to me and explained to me the difference between a crush and a boyfriend. Do you know the difference between a crush and a boyfriend? This is what she said. She said, a crush is exciting because it's new and you're blind to all of his faults. But a boyfriend, when he becomes your boyfriend, it turns into a drag. Her words, not mine. <laughs> turns into a drag because then you see everything that's wrong with him. 
Now, as much as I respect her expertise in teenage romance, (laughs) I have to disagree. Because new love isn't amazing because it's blind. New love is amazing because it's unselfish. See, when you first enter into a relationship with someone, it's, you see all of their flaws, you see their faults, but you overlook them because your primary concern is showing them love. You are so filled with appreciation for them that you're willing to overlook some of their flaws. But that doesn't last, does it? As time goes, in every kind of relationship, as time passes, we start to lose that that sense of appreciation for the people that are in our lives. We start feeling a sense of entitlement. We start feeling like we deserve those acts of service, that we have earned those romantic gestures. And eventually we start questioning our relationship with them. We start thinking, maybe he wasn't so great after all. Maybe she wasn't so amazing to begin with. Maybe I was blind, but now I see. (laughs) See, but the problem, the problem isn't with our eyes. The problem is with our hearts. As Tom Cruise would sing, you've lost that love and feeling. We've lost that crucial feeling, that crucial feeling of appreciation that gives relationships their longevity. We've lost that. So how do we reverse that process? How do we regain that sense of of appreciation? It's very simple. We do as the psalmist did. We praise. We take the time to express our appreciation for each other. According to Amy Gordon, a psychologist at UC Berkeley, she says that the reason why the primary factor in the downfall of many relationships, our relationships with our parents, our relationships with our children, our relationships with our spouses, is because we neglect to express our appreciation. She writes this. She says, you get used to having your spouse in your life and forget why you chose to be with them. We get used to them and we get entitled. So how do we reverse that process? Well, according to her, her article in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, she reveals how this works. She says, in our study, she took 50 committed couples And then she gave them each uh, an appreciation journal to fill out during the course of a week. And after they filled out these journals, they discovered one key, one main discovery of this entire study. And it was this. Expressed appreciation inspires appreciation. Let me say that again. Expressed appreciation inspires appreciation. On days when partners would feel more appreciated, they would be more likely to express their appreciation to their significant other, who then would feel so appreciated, they would express that appreciation back. 
And we create this cycle of appreciation that began just because one person was willing to say thank you. Appreciation, expressed appreciation, creates appreciation. But it only works if you express it. If you just feel appreciative and don't share that appreciation, then it doesn't do anything. So we need to praise. We need to express it. See, that act of expressing, it not only inspires appreciation in others, but actually verbalizing that appreciation inspires it in ourselves. We start to realize how much we have to be grateful for. So we need to express that appreciation. Now, let me get real personal. See, I want all of us, I want all of us in this room to have great marriages, to have great relationships with our parents, to have great relationships with our children, to have great relationships with our God. And this simple act of expressing our appreciation could be a breakthrough moment for us. So I want to challenge you to do as the psalmist said, to to everyone, everywhere, every day, express appreciation. Men, when you get in the car today, after you turn on the AC because it's hot, Reach over, take her hand, look deep in her eyes, swallow your pride, and say, thank you. And then fill in the blank with whatever comes into your mind. And I know, I know, if I were sitting where you're sitting and someone up here told me to do this, I'd be thinking what you're probably thinking, which is, Well, I can't do that now. She'll know I only did that because you told me to do it. (laughs) So I'd probably wait like a a month or so and say, you know, I had this completely original thought, just came to my mind. Let me give you a word of reassurance. If your wife has even average emotional intelligence, she will not respond to your thank you with, well, you only did that because he told you to. She won't. She'll be so, so grateful. And women. (laughs) Woo, that was a strong amen from the women. (laughs) Women. Some of your husbands have been serving you and serving you and serving you. And at first you used to say thank you, but it's been a while. Maybe saying thank you doesn't really run in your family. You've really never heard your mom say it or your dad say it. So today, I want to encourage you to do this, to express your appreciation. Take his hand. Look him deep in the eye and say, thank you. And then fill in the blank with whatever comes into your mind. Kids, teenagers, You live in a culture that encourages you to be ridiculously entitled. And it's not your fault. You didn't create this culture. You were born into this culture. But you can also break that cycle of entitlement. 
You can do it. You can be that freaky teenager who actually appreciates his parents. Oh my goodness, right? (laughs) Strong amens from the parents this time. (laughs) Listen, your mom, your mom literally risked her life to bring you into this world. I know you don't get that now, but someday you will. Hopefully not anytime soon, but someday, (laughs) someday you'll get it. Someday you'll say, oh my goodness. My mom did this to give me life. But until that day, would you swallow that sense of entitlement? Look your mom deep in the eye. Look your father deep in the eye and say, thank you. And then fill in the blank with whatever comes into your mind. And for us Christians in this room, those of us who know our loving God, a God that not only created us, not only died to rescue us, but every day watches out for us. If you know that God, if you purport to follow that God, then take the time to swallow that sense of entitlement that all of us struggle with. Look him deep in the eye and say thank you, and then fill in the blank with whatever comes into your mind. See, every day, relationships fall apart because we fail to do this one simple thing, to express our appreciation. So what would, imagine what our relationships could look like if we just took the time to say thank you, if we just took the time to do as the psalmist calls us to do, to everyone, everywhere, every day, express our appreciation. It would bring newness and freshness to our relationships. It would be like falling in love over and over again with the people that we care so deeply about. So be the one. Be the one that breaks that cycle of entitlement and starts a new cycle of appreciation today. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to take the time to say thank you. Many times when we come to you in prayer, it's just full of of requests for things we want you to do instead of taking the time to thank you for what you have already done. And so this morning, we come with our thanks. Thank you for being such a loving God. Thank you for being a God who cares so deeply about tiny little creatures who live here on this earth. Thank you so much for loving us so much that you did not leave us in our own sin, but you came to rescue us from our sin. And we ask that you inspire appreciation in us for you and the gifts that you have put into our lives, the people that you have placed around us. Help us to express our appreciation today. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.